Don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse 19. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, Remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Verses 19 through 31, Luke chapter 16. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the power in your word. Thank you for your word, which empowers our prayer life. And thank you for how that your word guides us and helps us to pray wisely and effectively. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have of knowing you as Lord and Savior. Thank you for the wonderful gift of, of salvation and eternal life. Thank you for how that you saved us and made us brand new. And now, Lord, you've commissioned us to be a part of the great work of carrying the gospel to the world that desperately needs to hear it. Set us on fire afresh with the spirit of evangelism and discipleship. Empower us to be believers who are wise enough and bold enough and committed enough to be involved in the great work of evangelism and discipleship every single day of our lives. Help us to live having ears to hear and eyes to see what you want us to see and hear. And this desire to reach out to a world that's lost, help us to have the right desire, the right passion to reach them as a lifestyle. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Isaac Jackson is our producer. He's going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Hey, Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for these moments. Thank you, Father, for your son. 
and uh, for his death and resurrection. Thank you, God, for taking all of our sin and uh, washing us clean and offering that opportunity for those who don't know you. Um, Father, I ask that you'd send out more laborers to the harvest so that we could uh, share the gospel more and tell more people about how much you love us and how you've made an opportunity for us to live with you for eternity in heaven. And Father, I ask that you'd move deeply in our hearts to grow us in more likeness, um, more like you. Thank you, Father, in your holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Isaac. And thank you for being a part of our listening family. On a pretty regular basis, we're encouraging you to email us to ask for articles that we share, and we're going to be sharing an article today. But before we share this particular article, I want to remind you, just in relation to the passage we just read, you know, it's so important for us as believers to always take the great work of the Great Commission very, very serious. Remember, the calling to carry out the Great Commission is a calling to every single believer all over the world, no matter who you are, where you live, how much money you do or don't have, no matter what the color of your skin, our calling is to do the work of making disciples, That in, and that does involve evangelism and discipleship every single day. The reality is, uh, on average, about three people die every second. Around 11,000 people die every hour all over the world, and all over the world, on average, around a quarter of a million people, that is 250,000 people, die every 24 hours. Brothers and sisters, that's a lot of dying. And the fact is, when they die, the only thing that matters is, did they know Jesus? It doesn't matter how much money they did or didn't have in the bank, what kind of car they drove, how much land they did or didn't have. The only thing that matters is, did they know Jesus Christ? How important it is that we be about the work of helping to do our part to help take as many people with us to heaven as we possibly can. So, our encouragement to you is that you prayerfully ask God to use you every day to carry out that work. We're wise to pray the prayer of Jabez over our lives every day and pray the prayer of Isaiah every day over our lives as well. Prayers that help us to be used more and more of the Holy Spirit to do the work that God has called us to. I'm going to share an article now entitled, A Letter from Heaven, A Letter from Hell. And it is an article that we placed on the AFA stand. And if you'd like to get a copy, simply email us. But the letter, of the, that is the, the blog or the article itself, is an evangelism tool. It's a gospel tract slash article. So if you'd like to email us to get a copy of it, we encourage you to do that. My email, once again, is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. Again, the title, A Letter from Heaven, A Letter from Hell. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Again, 2 Timothy 4, verse, chapter 4, verse 5. Then Luke chapter 16, verses 27 to 28. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Again, Luke 16, 27 through 28. <coughs> The following are two letters sent as if these two young men had the unique opportunity to send a letter back to their living parents after their lives ended. The first letter. Dear Dad and Mom, it's me, Jack, and I just wanted to share my experience after the life ended after life ended for me on earth. After I took my last breath lying on that hospital bed, I felt myself rise up. 
I saw both of you as you started to cry. I wanted so much to comfort you and to tell you that all of a sudden, I didn't hurt anymore. I wanted to let you know that I felt fine. But as I stood up, I noticed that my body was still lying in the bed and not moving. But I felt great. I was completely healed and well. All of a sudden, two very tall, beautiful angels walked into the room. Each one took me by the arm, and they whisked me away. We went right through the roof of the hospital, flew at an extremely fast speed into outer space, and then very quickly we passed through the gates of heaven. Dad and Mom, I wish you both could see this place. It's so beautiful. I don't have words to describe how beautiful it is. Everything is so bright and pretty. The streets are really made out of pure gold. The houses and other buildings are stunning to look at. And everyone here is so happy. The whole place is awesome, bright and glorious. Then very soon, my escorting angels told me, He's coming. As I looked, there walking up to me was Jesus. And oh, he was gloriously beautiful and wonderful to see. He came up and gave me a big embrace. It felt like I was covered with love and grace. I am so thankful to the Lord for saving me. I'm thankful that I committed my life to the Lord and served him when I was alive. Praise God. Suddenly I thought to myself, I wish I had told many more people about Jesus and how to be saved. I wouldn't want anyone to miss, miss him or miss living in this wonderful place called heaven. Love in Christ, Jack. Then the second letter. Dear Dad and Mom, it's me, Reg. I wanted to let you know about what happened after life came to an end for me on earth. After I stopped breathing, I apparently left my body. I tried to talk to the two of you, but you couldn't hear anything I was saying to you. I looked at my bed and saw my lifeless body, although I was standing right beside both of you. Then all of a sudden, two of the most horrible-looking creatures I've ever seen walked through the walls of the room. They were demons. They quickly walked up to me before I could yell and grab me. I yelled and asked you both to please help me. Help me get away from these horrible creatures. But you couldn't hear me at all. They dragged me as I was kicking and screaming at them to let me go, but they wouldn't. They said, come with us. You belong to us now. A large hole appeared out of nowhere in the floor, and they dragged me down into it. I cried out, screamed, and yelled as loud as I could, let me go. But they just laughed at me and kept pulling me down the hole. The hole was a dark tunnel, dark, so dark. They kept pulling me down, pulling me down. The deeper we went, the hotter it became. Finally, we reached the bottom. I felt like I was being scalded all over my body. I was burning on every inch of my being. The demons grabbed my wrists and clamped chains on them. Then they threw me into some kind of cell. It was so hot. And the whole place smelled awful, a stench much worse than anything I'd ever smelled. I was in unbearable pain and agony from the extreme heat and pain all over my body. I said, please, I don't want to be here. Let me out. The demons laughed at me and walked away. In the midst of my agony and pain, I looked through the door of my cell and saw... Many more prison-like cells, almost just like mine, as far as the eyes could see. 
and I could hear what seemed like thousands of moans and groans and cries of men and women in agony and despair. Their groans and cries poured from all those cells. I'm no longer an atheist. Though I was an atheist most of my adult life, I now believe in God. I believe in God and heaven and hell and all those things preachers used to talk about in church and on TV. I used to make fun of preachers and laugh at them and call them ignorant fools. Now I realize they were right, every one of them as they preached the Bible. And I wish that now I had just one more day to be alive, one more day to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I had only one more day, I would listen to the gospel and I'd run to give my life to Christ. But for me, it's just too late. Dad and mom, please tell all my brothers and sisters and cousins and others, tell all my friends, give your lives to Jesus Christ today. Don't wait another day. Again, it was it, this place is so terrible, just so awful. Don't come here. Get saved. Don't make the mistake I made. Give your life to Christ this day. Don't come down here, your son, Reg. If you desire to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and want to spend eternity with him in heaven, you can simply a prayer, pray a prayer like this one. You can pray it with me now. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I recognize I've sinned and done wrong in many ways. Lord, I repent of all my sins. Forgive me, Lord, for the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead three days later. Lord Jesus, I ask you now, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Make me the person you want me to be. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the title of that article a letter from heaven, a letter from hell. If you'd like to get a copy to use as an evangelistic tool, as an article slash gospel track, we'd be glad to get it to you. My email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'll be right back with Reading Through the Word of God.
Music from Passion, the song simply entitled God of This City. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 23, beginning at verse 1. One day news came to David that the Philistines were at Keilah, stealing grain from the threshing floors. David asked the Lord, Should I go and attack them? Yes, go and save Keilah, the Lord told him. But David's men said, We're afraid even here in Judah. We certainly don't want to go to Keilah to fight the whole Philistine army. So David asked the Lord again, and again the Lord replied, Go down to Keilah, for I will help you conquer the Philistines. So David and his men went to Keilah. They slaughtered the Philistines and took all their livestock and rescued the people of Keilah. Now when Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, he brought the ephod with him. Saul soon learned that David was at Keilah. Good, he exclaimed, we've got him now. God has handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself in a walled town. So Saul mobilized his entire army to march to Keilah and besiege David and his men. But David learned of Saul's plan and told Abiathar the priest to bring the ephod and ask the Lord what he should do. Then David prayed, O Lord God of Israel, I have heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Keilah because I am here. Will the leaders of Keilah betray me to him? And and will Saul actually come as I have heard? O Lord God of Israel, please tell me. And the Lord said, He will come. Again David asked, Will the leaders of Keilah betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, Yes, they will betray you. So David and his men, about 600 of them now, left Keilah and began roaming the countryside. Word soon reached Saul that David had escaped, so he didn't go to Keilah after all. David now stayed in the strongholds of the wilderness and in the hill country of Ziph. Saul hunted him, Saul hunted him day after day, but God didn't let Saul find him. One day, near Horesh, David received the news that Saul was on the way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel, and I will be next to you, as my father Saul is well aware. So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. Then Jonathan returned home while, while David stayed at Horesh. But now the men of Ziph went to Saul in Gibeah and betrayed David to him. We know where David is hiding, they said. He is in the strongholds of Horesh, on the hill of Hakalah, which is, on, which is in the southern part of Jeshimon. Come down whenever you're ready, O king, and we will catch him and hand him over to you. The Lord bless you, Saul said. At last someone is concerned about me. Go and check again to be sure where he is staying and who has, and who has seen him there, for I know that he is very crafty. Discover his hiding places and come back 
when you are sure. Then I'll go with you, and if he is in the area at all, I'll track him down, even if I have to search every hiding place in Judah. So the men of Ziph returned home ahead of Saul. Meanwhile, David and his men had moved into the wilderness into the wilderness of Maon in the Arabah Valley of Jeshimon. When David heard that Saul and his men were searching for him, he went even farther into the wilderness to the great rock, and he remained there in the wilderness of Maon. But Saul kept after him in the wilderness. Saul and David were now on opposite sides of a mountain. Just as Saul and his men began to close in on David and his men, an urgent message reached Saul that the Philistines were raiding Israel again. So Saul quit chasing David and returned to fight the Philistines. Ever since that time, the place where David was camped has been called the Rock of Escape. David then went to live in the strongholds of En Gedi. 1 Samuel chapter 24. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now is your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My lord the king! And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I am trying to harm you? This very day you can see why your own excuse me, this very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As that old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. So you can be sure I will never harm you. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? 
Should he spend his time chasing one who is as worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate, and he will rescue me from your power. When David had finished speaking, Saul called back, Is that really you, my son David? Then he began to cry, and he said to David, You are better, you are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today. For when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king and that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. Now swear to me by the Lord that when that happens, you will not kill my family and destroy my line of descendants. So David promised this to Saul with an oath. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went back to their stronghold. 1 Samuel chapter 25. Now Samuel died and all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him at his house in Ramah. Then David moved down to the wilderness of Maon. There was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats and it was sheep shearing time. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife, Abigail, was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all his dealings. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent ten of his young men to Carmel with, his, with this message to Nabal, Peace and prosperity to you, your family, and everything you own. I am told that it is sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men and they will tell you this is true. So would you be kind to us since we have come at a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and with your friend David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for a reply. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who, did the, who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David and 200, and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. 
These men have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out you need to know this and figure out what to do, for there is going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He is so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, Go on ahead, I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband, Nabal, what she was doing. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. David had just been saying a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the young man you sent. Now, may Lord, now my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and, your, and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty. For you are fighting the Lord's battles, and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God. Secure in his treasure, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lies of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all he has promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Verses 1 through 29. 1 Samuel chapter 25. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we continue reading through the Word of God. We'll be right back. Surrounding me, let it break. 
from the group Mosaic with Tremble. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the New Testament. The book of Romans, Romans chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people, whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you realize what the scriptures say about this? Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply? He said, No, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. It is the same today, for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace, His undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. So this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have, the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. As the scriptures say, God has put them into a deep sleep to this day, he has shut their eyes so they, so they do not see and closed their ears so they do not hear. Let their bountiful table become a snare, a trap that makes them think all is well. Let their blessings cause them to stumble and let them get what they deserve. Let their, let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and let their backs be bent forever. Did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles. But he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, Think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. I'm saying all of this especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this, for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have, so I, so I might save some of them. For since, that, for since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful. It will be life for those who were dead. And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy, just as the entire batch of dough is holy because the portion given as an offering is holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be two. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel, have been broken off 
And you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not the root. Well, you may say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe toward those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted, they will be grafted in again. For God has the power to graft them back into the tree. You, by nature, were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into his cultivated tree, he will be, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they belong. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full, only until the full number of Gentiles come to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved. As the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them, that I will take away their sins. Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news, and this benefits you, Gentiles. Yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God's gifts and his call are never excuse me, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Now they are the rebels and God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so he could have mercy on everyone. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows even to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. 
Romans chapter 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His, in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. But work, hard, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Romans chapter end of Romans chapter 12. Well, as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you're listening today and you've never made the eternally important decision of asking Christ to come into your heart as Lord and Savior, today is a wonderful day, a great day to be saved and to fully commit your life to the Lord. 
Would you now, from your heart, pray this prayer with us and invite Christ to come into your heart as Lord and Savior? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many ways. By faith, Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Become the Lord and Savior of my life. In your word, you told us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer and committed your heart to the Lord, we very much would like to connect with you, be in touch with you by way of email. My email, once again, is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We definitely want to share with you some literature and some resources that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong and grow deep in your new walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Please do email us once again, joseph at afr.net. Again, joseph at afr.net. Also, if you'd like to get a copy of the article that we shared earlier in the broadcast entitled, A Letter from Heaven, A Letter from Hell, same email, joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to share it with you. And remember, it is an article that's both an article and an evangelism tract for you to use to share the gospel and invite people to come to know Christ as well. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.